If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. And here we go. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today, and welcome to the final week of the season. Today is Monday, September 25th. I am Frank Stanfield, joined by Scott White. Today on the show, a big weekend recap. Lots of players went on the IL, so we do need some replacements, starter sit decisions, and much more. Big thank you to everybody who's already left a five-star rating and review on Apple. Such kind words. We really do appreciate it. Love seeing how many people we've helped win their league this season. But for some, Scott, the job is not done yet. And that brings me to you. What's going on in your league, Scotty? What's the latest? Me? Okay, well, I am in 11 fantasy leagues and two score sheet leagues, but we won't talk about them. I'm in 11 fantasy leagues. I have a chance in four of them. So I am tied for the lead in an NL only Roto League. Not a lot I could do there. I added some, a bunch of relievers off the waiver wire because just kind of shoring up ERA and whip seems like to, to avoid dropping an ERA and whip. That's really. All I can do in that league is uh, kind of play defensively to and hope the other guy drops off. I'm in third place in the AL Roto League. Again, not much you can do with the waiver wire in those leagues. And then there are the two podcast leagues where in the original podcast league, the 12-team head-to-head points, I went in. For, for most of the week, I was trailing by like 40, 50 points. But I outscored my opponent by 85 here on Sunday. So I enter week two of the playoffs now up about 40 points, 45 points, actually. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hold the lead there in the podcast points league. Um, and I don't know. I'm not approaching it that differently than I'd approach any other week. I'm, I kind of like tried to scoop up all the two-star pitchers just, you know, so he doesn't get to have all of them. Cause that like, I, I want to prevent him from accumulating points to, from having an opportunity to make up ground against me. Right. And the best way to do that is with two-star pitchers. So I put in as many claims, as much money as I could for all of them, even if I don't plan to start them. And uh, I may start one or two of them. We'll see. So that's what I'm doing there. And then there's the podcast for the People League, which is the 16-team head-to-head categories league. And unfortunately, I go into week two there down three to seven. Mm. Three to seven. I lost seven of the categories. I won three of them. It was, you know, I was I was watching Freddie Freeman and C.J. Abrams late Sunday. They were both batting for me. I was trailing in the runs category, the home run category and the on-base percentage category by the slightest of margins. But uh, they had like one hit between them. So they did <laughs> they, they couldn't they couldn't come through in the clutch, unfortunately. It would have made a big difference if I could get that to like four, five, one, something like that, maybe five, five, just start over going into week two. I'd feel a lot better about my chances. But obviously I'm in a position, an, an unlikely position uh, to pull out a championship there. So I'm just kind of, you know, I got to win as many categories as I can. So I'm going to start, make sure I start three relievers so I can, you know, feel confident I'm going to win that saves holds category. But then I still have to compete in the starting pitching category. So I'm loading up on as many two-star pitchers as I can there, even if if they're not as good as some of my one-start options. And then there's not much I can do to improve my chances in the hitting categories. They just have to hit better. I was stuck with Royce Lewis this past week, which didn't help because mm. he got hurt, obviously. So I won't start Royce Lewis again. Yep, yep. I know the feeling in Tout Wars. I had Wilson Contreras in for half the week. He went on the IL, I think, Wednesday or Thursday this past week. So I know the feeling. I'm going up against Greg Jewett. I'm down 27 and a half points going into the final week. Uh, that's a head-to-head points league. Uh, going for the three-peat here in Tout Wars. So we'll see if I can... Uh, Pull that one off. I have a few NFBC leagues that I'm I'm in first place in, so trying to hold on in those as well. Uh, I didn't count how many leagues I played in overall, Scott, because frankly, I don't have the time. I'm in a lot of different leagues right now, and it would take me a while to, to count all those up. But we'll see. I'm in the running in three. We'll see if we can uh, take all those down. But let's get into the rest of this weekend's action. Oh, my goodness! Unbelievable was Christopher Sanchez once again on Sunday. Scott, what do you have? He was unbelievable. His second outing in three with 10 strikeouts. So it's not a fluke anymore. We've seen it do do it two times in three outings. And remember, the first time was against the Braves. This time he did it against the Mets. So a weaker lineup. But the bottom line is he did it again. And he got those 10 swinging strikes to Christopher Sanchez on 20 swinging strikes. Again, the changeup was the star of the arsenal. 16 of the swinging, 16 of the 20 swinging strikes came on that changeup, which just looks like a world beater of a pitch for him. Walked only one, as has been typical of Christopher Sanchez. He threw seven innings, walked only one. Uh, the ground ball rate is good enough that it'd lead the league some years. And, uh, and, just recently, he's added all these strikeouts to his arsenal. I, I thought it was also notable that he went seven innings because 
remember following that that great start against the Braves where he struck out 10. It was like, oh, he and Michael Lorenzen are going to piggyback now. And that's what happened um, earlier in the week when he was again facing the Braves. It was a short outing. It didn't go as well. And uh, Michael Lorenzen followed and pitched multiple innings. I, I don't think Sanchez made it through the fifth, but because it wasn't going as well, okay, was it because he was pitching poorly that they pulled him early or was it because part of this piggyback plan, they're going to limit Christopher Sanchez's innings. Well, now we have clarity there. Sanchez was good. He went seven. Lorenzen did come in. He only pitched an inning, though. So it seems like they're preparing Lorenzen for a more traditional relief role, maybe in the playoffs, which is something he's filled before. Uh, But that's good news for Sanchez. He does line up for one more start. I say line up because, of course, anything could change this final week. Uh, it's also against the Mets. So they are getting a second straight look at him, which tends to advantage the offense more than the pitcher. But we do see pitchers succeed twice in a row against teams, against lineups all the time. So I, I think Christopher Sanchez is back in the discussion as a sleeper pitcher for this week, given that we saw him have such a dominant outing Sunday and uh, still work deep into the start, despite some of the rumors we'd heard that he won it. And uh, beyond that, I'll reiterate what I said uh, following that 10-strikeout effort against the Braves. I think Christopher Sanchez is on the ascent as a fantasy asset might be a top sleeper for me going into next year. This, this only fortifies that position. On my bold predictions article that we talked about last week, 20 bold predictions for 2024, one of them was Christopher Sanchez finishes with an ERA south of three. There's already a chance of that as good of a ground ball pitcher and a strike thrower as he is. But if you add these strikeouts to the mix, if that continues for Christopher Sanchez, I mean, he's he's dominating in all three areas that a pitcher has direct control over. And that's uh, that points to a pretty high ceiling for a guy who didn't get to the majors till what, 26, didn't have much of a prospect pedigree, didn't even have great minor league numbers. So it's a really, really cool story how things have panned out for Christopher Sanchez. And that changeup has been tremendous for him, too. 20 swinging strikes here on Sunday, 16 of those coming on the changeup. You mentioned he's at the Mets this week. Sanchez is 44% rostered. He does have relief pitcher eligibility as well. Uh, the Mets are 22nd in Woba against left-handed pitching. So on paper, it's a pretty good matchup once again here. And I mentioned at the top that we we had some injuries this weekend. Yuri Perez went to the IL with uh, joint inflammation in his shoulder, Max Freed with that lingering blister on his left index finger, Charlie Morton as well. Unfortunately, Scott, for your Braves, man, these guys are dropping at the wrong time. I know. Or are they dropping at the perfect time to get healthy again? You might be right. You might be right. That's that's the hope. I'm not feeling confident going to the playoffs. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I never feel confident going into the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, they might have to. They might their their rotate their playoff rotation might be a little more patchwork than we thought it would be most of the season. Well, Scott, at least your team is going to the playoffs because my Yankees were officially eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday. No surprise there. Back to Christopher Sanchez. Would you take him over any of the one start pitchers that you have in your sleeper pitchers for this week? So I'm looking at Ranger Suarez, Sawyer Gibson Long, uh, Gavin Williams, who. I don't know for sure if he's going to start this week or not. And Edward Cabrera uh, is the other name on that list. Would, would you take Christopher Sanchez ahead of any of those names? 
I mean, I probably need to add him to the list if I am. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, I think all of them. I think all of the one start options. Maybe not Ranger Suarez if you're just playing it safe. If you just like, I want a quality start. That seems like a very predictable outcome for Ranger Suarez against the Pirates next week. But if you're looking to hit a home run, I think Christopher Sanchez against the Mets has a better chance of doing that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's up there on that list. Man, if we had any confirmation that they're just going to let Sanchez go in that one and you know we're not worried about any kind of piggyback situation, which I, I don't think I really am at this point, I, I might take him over Ranger Suarez too. It's just he's looked that good. So uh, I agree. You need a pitcher this week. Christopher Sanchez is definitely up there on the list. Oh, my goodness gracious for me. Uh, just a massive weekend here for the Texas Rangers who swept the Mariners. They have now won five in a row. They have a two and a half game lead in the AL West. They control their own destiny now moving forward and big weekend for Corey Seager. He hit two more home runs. Marcus Semien, big game on Sunday, two for four with a double dong. He's up to 27 home runs, 117 runs scored this season for Marcus Semien. But the big name who could be available that I really want to focus on here is Evan Carter, who continues to get it done his last four games. He has six hits, three homers, seven RBI, one steal during that time. He's 36% rostered. He's got seven road games this week. Two lefties on the schedule, but the way he's playing, I think he's just in that lineup. I think the Rangers are playing him every day on out. Um you know, to close out the season here. Maybe they kind of wrap things up on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, something and they rest some of their guys, but Evan Carter has looked awesome. He's widely available, Scott, and I know he's one of your sleeper hitters this week. He is, and I was tempted to move him up the list more than I, where I have him. I have him pretty low on the list. The matchups aren't great, but he's just been so good, and the Rangers are now one of six teams with seven games. It was four heading into the weekend, but the Diamondbacks and Yankees have each had a game added. Hadded? I said hadded. The, the Diamondbacks and Yankees have each had a game added. And um, so now they have seven. So now there are six teams with seven games next week. The Rangers are one of them. That helps Evan Carter's case. What's interesting about what, how well he's hit is, you know, we had concerns. Oh, is he strong? And like, is he just does built up enough strength as a 21-year-old, a very skinny 21-year-old to to make much of a, an impact power-wise in the majors. And exit velocities for Evan Carter haven't been great, but the production has been, and he's contributed steals as well. He has four home runs versus three steals. He's gotten on base a ton, which was the MO, great on base skills in the minors. And so uh, I think like if, if you're in a three outfielder league and you've kind of rotated that third outfield spot, which I think is a pretty common approach, uh, Carter... Carter looks like a good choice for this week. Yeah, 100%. And he's hitting a good amount of ground balls, 46%. It's it's not totally egregious, but probably not ideal for power. But when he does put the ball in the air, he has an 11% barrel rate so far. So, yeah, I've loved what I've seen from Evan Carter. I think he's totally in play for this week. Shout out to... Ronald Acuna, Scott. Your boy becomes the fifth player in the 40-40 club. Of course, we know he's been even better than that. He's the first player in MLB history to go 40-60, and he's also just two steals away from going 40-70, which, if I had to guess, I think he's probably going to pick up two steals at some point this week. I think so. so. I think he'll make it happen somehow, some way. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, I think that's important to him. He he did uh, sit out the second game of the doubleheader Sunday. So he, he seemed pretty restless on the bench too. I noticed <laughs> he was, he was acting pretty loopy the whole game, but you know, yeah, no, I'm sure he'll play a lot this week and get those two steals. You know, Scott, when you hit 40 home runs and steal 68 bases, I really don't care what you do in the dugout, right? Like, you can just <laughs> you can start doing handstands or cartwheels, whatever you want to do. I don't care. That guy has been amazing. A historic season here for fantasy purposes from Ronald Acuna. Uh, and you know what's crazy? Last year we talked about how great Aaron Judge was, right? And uh, I'm going to look this up once the season ends because the Razzball Player Raider, you could see how much auction money a player has earned over the course of the season. And I want to see what Ronald Acuna winds up with because I'm pretty sure it's going to be better than what Aaron Judge did last year. But I do want to mention... And, and uh, wasn't Aaron Judge last year twice as much as any other player on I think, that, I think it was that close, particular tool? I think it was close to it. I think, I think Goldschmidt earned like just over $40 and I, th- I think Judge was like over $60. $60 player last year. Nah, not as big of a gap as I remembered, but... But yeah, I would imagine Acuna's even more. I mean, in terms, like if you just do head-to-head point-per-game production, a Judge was a distant first last year. Acuna has even more this year than Judge had. I don't know if the gap between him and number number two is as big because, you know, all the entire elite class of hitters has moved up quite a bit from last year. But uh, but if, if, if you were sticking last year's Judge against... If you're pitting last year's judge versus this year's Acuna and head-to-head points leagues, Acuna definitely comes out on top. Yeah, uh, I'm going to venture to say I, I think in category leagues, Ron Acuna oh, yeah. is going to wind sure. up uh, earning more there as well. Shout out to Aaron Judge. He had a triple dong on Friday. 35 home runs and only 101 games played. That is a 51 homer pace over 150 games. So what could have been? We'll see if Judge can stay healthy next year, but the power production is still there and still looks like he can... Yeah, potentially be a 50 home run hitter again next season. Let's get people updated here, Scott, on the, the two-star pitchers, the schedule for the final week. There's not really much that has changed here, but worth mentioning that Zach Gallen is now out as a two-star pitcher this upcoming week. Merrill Kelly is in, we think, we hope, and he is at the Yankees and home against the Astros this week. What are your thoughts on starting Merrill Kelly? Yeah, I think it's must-start. I know he's had some extreme lows mixed in with the extreme highs lately but you, you, you're playing scared or you're playing to win I, I guess it depends like realistically if 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 your main focus in a, in a roto league is to preserve era and whip then uh it might make sense to play safe but a majority of people who have merrill kelly majority of situations i think you're gonna roll with him and you're probably gonna roll with zach allen in spite of him only being a one-star pitcher now that doesn't right. really, he's, he's of a caliber that it doesn't really change whether you're going to start or set him. Yeah. And Gallon had an awesome start on Sunday as well. I guess the only hesitation with Zach Gallon is he's going to be scheduled to start next weekend. And, you know, the Diamondbacks are kind of like right on that fringe right now of the wild card. I don't know if they're going to lock things up. Like maybe they just go on like a five or six game winning streak here and, Somehow they do clinch a, a playoff spot by the weekend. Maybe Zach Gallon doesn't start, and they want to save him for the wild card. So that's just yeah, pure speculation. I, I mean, it's possible. But. And I, did, I we talked on Friday about how you really can't count on any two-star pitcher actually making two starts because of how much, you know, last week anything goes, right? Like 
If a team decides they want to shut down a pitcher before his final start, there's not a lot of consequences for them doing that. And of course, the the, the teams that are playoff bound are going to want to reset their rotations for the playoffs. So a lot could change. And so you have to be uh, prepared for that two-star pitcher to make just one start and focus especially on the first matchup they're making. doesn't really apply to Gallon's situation. He's a one-star pitcher. But having said that, I think Gallon's late-week start is a pretty safe bet because if the Diamondbacks are going to get in the playoffs, it's probably going to be by the skin of their teeth. Mm-hmm. They're up half a game uh, now. Well, a whole game from being eliminated from the playoffs, being removed from the playoff picture. They're up ha- um they're, they're tied for first place in the wild card standings with the Phillies. A half a game up on the Cubs, who are third, and then the Marlins are on the outside looking in one game back. So uh, I don't think they're just going to cruise right in. And obviously, you gotta win the, you got to get in the playoffs before you worry about your playoff rotation, how it lines up. So the, the Diamondbacks are going to use their best pitcher just to get in. I feel pretty confident saying that. You know, if the Marlins get in the playoffs, I, I think we're going to need a guest appearance from Chris Towers just to come on here and, I don't know, rejoice and celebrate for his Miami Marlins making it. We'll see. They're, they're a game out right now, as you mentioned, so uh, it's close. They're right on the outside looking in. One of the other names that is added to the two-star pitchers this week, Clark Schmidt for the Yankees. He's going up against the Diamondbacks and at the Royals here. So a good matchup at the Royals. Diamondbacks kind of feels like that one can go either way. Clark Schmidt has not pitched well recently. His last seven starts, he has a six ERA on the nose, a 147 whip, 61% rostered. Scott, your thoughts on Clark Schmidt? Yeah, I added him to the sleeper pitchers this early evening. Probably going to remove him now so that I can get Christopher Sanchez in. The way I put it for that brief time that the two-star Clark Schmidt was in the sleeper pitcher rankings is that... uh, you know, he rarely delivers a quality start, but he rarely gets bombed either. So if you're looking to, if it, it, in the rare situation where you're looking to make up ground in a two-week playoff scenario, Clark Schmidt might be a good choice for that. But I don't think he's going to have much utility beyond that, which is why he's ultimately going to get bumped. Last but not least, we have Zach Davies, who became a two-star pitcher. Uh, I, I don't think we want to start Zach Davies, right, Scott? No. (laughs) All right, let's take our first break. When we return, we'll talk about some of those other injuries from this weekend, and then we'll get you some waiver wire hitters, some pitchers, some replacements. We'll do that right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back in. Let's run through some of those injuries. All of these players went on the IL this weekend. Nolan Arenado with lower back spasms. Royce Lewis with a left hamstring strain. Brandon Lau with a fractured right patella in his knee. Uh, expected to miss four to six weeks, so a pretty big blow there for Tampa Bay. And I mentioned the pitcher injuries, Yuri Perez, Max Free, Charlie Morton, all to the IL, will not make a start in this final week. Let's talk waiver wire hitters and a reminder of Scott's sleeper hitters this final week. Jorge Polanco, Zach Geloff, Jake Berger, James Outman, Chris Bryant, Jason Hayward, Tommy Pham, Evan Carter, Charlie Blackman, and Ryan O'Hearn. Other name. Yeah, I don't I don't like where Evan Carter is in that. I'm gonna move him and fam up. How far up should I move them? I think Carter nope. should probably get ahead of Outman. What do you think? Yeah. So it's you know, it, it the Dodgers play four games at Coors Field yeah. this week. And that's awfully tempting. Outman was hitting poorly until you know he had a home run Sunday. One for two with a home run. His previous fifteen games was batting one forty three. How much does that factor in when they're going to play four games at Coors Field? I don't know that it factors in that much, but I just, I don't know. I feel better about starting Carter, even with that big Coors Field series coming up for them. Jason Hayward slowed down too, uh, even though he's been, really since the start of August, he's been amazing. But he has slowed down also. I want to move Tommy Pham up. Uh, Should I move Tommy Pham ahead of Outman too? Because the Diamondbacks do have good matchups. They've gotten better. It was good already with six games. Now they have seven games. Yeah. Tommy Pham has been hot. I think so. I think yeah. ahead of Outman, yeah. Yeah, I think when I was actually prioritizing my waiver claims in the league where I need an outfielder. I'm not sure Outman was available, actually, but I was I was putting those claims in ahead of Chris Bryant and and uh, and Jason Hayward. So, yeah, I think I'm going to move him up higher on that list. All right, other names with a big weekend. We'll start with the outfielders. TJ Friedel actually had a huge weekend. He homered in three straight, a sock and a shoe on both Friday and Saturday. He had six hits, three homers, four runs, five RBI, and two steals this weekend. Overall on the year, he's batting 280 with 17 home runs, 26 steals, and an 819 OPS, 76% rostered. So he's not really out there. Maybe some 10-team leagues, some shallow points leagues. The problem is the Reds only have five road games this week, Scott. So what do you think about Friedel? Would you take him over any of the outfielders we just mentioned? No, I don't think so. I don't think he needs to be added to my sleeper hitters. Now, if it's a five outfielder league and he's one of your five outfielders, that's probably fine. But of those five games, let's see, two are against left-handers. You know, he's Friedel actually usually starts against. He's actually better against lefties this year than righties, which is so weird. Yeah. But he doesn't always start against them. And let's see, the last one 
No, the last one they faced was Saturday. He started against them. But the, the, the time before that, that they faced the left-hander, Friedel was on the bench, and that could easily happen, at least in one of those two games. And, and suddenly he's down to a four-game week. So I'd rather not start TJ Friedel this week. Okay. What about Nelson Velasquez? This is probably for five outfielder leagues, but he went two for three with a double dong on Sunday. He has five homers over his last nine games. And now 36 games played with the Royals. Velasquez is batting 239 with 14 homers, 14 in 36 games. With a 945 OPS, he's 18% rostered. Three games against the Yankees, three at the Tigers. Any interest mm-hmm. in Nelson Velasquez? Well, the specific pitchers he's facing are Reese Olsen, Tarek Skubal, Sawyer Gibson Long, Carlos Rodon, Clark Schmidt, and Michael King. So, so not, Rod- not great. Rodon is like the second worst pitcher he's facing. It's not great. If you're if you need to make up ground at home runs specifically, I mean, Velasquez, as you pointed out, has been hitting them in great volumes. So I don't know that the matchups should steer you away if that is your goal. I'm not sure you're going to find a more prolific power hitter on waivers, certainly in a five outfielder league, than Nelson Velasquez. But I wouldn't say he's a high priority start in most cases. Okay, four names, uh, four corner infielders that could be available. Carlos Santana had a strong weekend. Six hits, one homer, five steals in 47 games with the Brewers, batting 241 with 10 home runs. He is 52% rostered with six home games this week. Brett Beatty is turning it on his last five games. He's got five hits, including two home runs. 28% rostered. He's got six games this week. The problem, three lefties on the schedule. Don't love that for Brett Beatty. Junior Caminero who made his debut on Saturday for Tampa Bay. He's now started two games in a row. He went one for four with a walk and a run scored. Two hard hits and his first career hit 112 miles per hour exit velocity. So yep. just flashing some of that I, big I, raw power I said right I away. I didn't have exit velocity info on Junior Camonero and double A, but that tells me everything I needed to know about how hard he hits the ball. Because there aren't. it's not everybody who, who can hit a ball 112 miles per hour much less doing that in your first game. So, I, I mean, the report said he hit the ball hard, so I didn't really have any doubts, but now it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. Under 12 miles per hour. The problem for Caminero is he's only got five games this week, so yep. obviously you'd like to optimize the schedule and, and get as many games in as you possibly can. Christian Encarnacion Strand, he looks like he's finishing strong as well. His last seven games, he's batting 400, five homers, 10 RBI, in his 58 games with the Reds, he's batting 279 with 11 home runs total, um, 60% rostered, but again, only five games, uh, five road games too, so none in Great American Ballpark either. Any interest here, Scott, in uh, Santana, Brett Beatty, Caminero, and CES? None cleared the threshold of making my 10 sleeper hitters for this week. I am going to start Christian Encarnacion Strand as my third baseman in that podcast for the people league, the categories league where I'm down three to seven. Uh, and I lost Reese Lewis, uh, sorry, Royce Lewis. I need a replacement at third base. I need a replacement at third base who can hit home runs and Encarnacion strand with five in his last seven games. I think he's the choice there. If I'm going to compete in that category and I kind of need to compete in all the categories. So I wish it was more than five games. And in Encarnacion strands case, not even guaranteed to play all five games. He starts most of the time, but, you know, it's a crowded infield situation for the Reds, so it's not all the time. So he's probably the most useful of this quartet going into next 
week, despite the issues. I'd put Kamin Arrow second. I feel pretty good about his chances of starting at least four of the five games, and maybe all five. Wasn't so sure about that when he first got called up and he actually was on the bench for his first game. But since then, and fractured kneecap for Brandon Lau, and Isak Paredes has taken over at second base. So he's he's vacated third base. Now, interestingly, Arrow hasn't started at third base yet. Both of his starts have come at DH, Curtis Mead at third base. But the point is, it's another way to get him in the lineup. So I feel pretty confident the Rays are going to play Arrow. So he's second in priority among these corner infielders behind Encarnacion Strand. Uh, and then I'll go Brett Beatty third and Carlos Santana fourth. Uh, Caminero, by the way, I, I think something else that can help his playing time, Yandy Diaz is currently banged up. So is Randy Arozarena. So they need to get bats in that lineup there. And Caminero looks like he's, you know, making an immediate impact here for Tampa Bay. Some middle infield replacements at shortstop. And, and these are kind of tertiary options uh, on the Rockies who have the third best hitter matchups this week. Seven games, all of them coming in Coors Field. Ezekiel Tovar, he's only 60% rostered. Um, he's hit better in September, not for much power, but I think I saw he's hitting close to 300 for the month. And uh, Brendan Rodgers, his last eight games batting 364 with two home runs. He's only 12% rostered. Again, has those seven home games. It's got any interest, uh, you know, if you lost Royce Lewis, you might need a middle infielder, and we've got two Rockies available here. Yeah, full week of games at Coors Field. Both were on my long list of potential sleeper hitters. Brendan Rodgers, I know, has been working on his swing. I don't remember ex- what the specific changes were, but I know he's been putting in some work on his swing, and it coincides with kind of a hot streak for him. So just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in on Brendan Rodgers, I guess. Mm-hmm. And two names in two catcher leagues. I mentioned Wilson Contreras. You might have lost him last week, so you might be scrambling. I know I was in my Tout Wars League. So I went out and I picked up Ryan Jeffers, who he's only playing every other game right now, but the Twins have the number one hitter matchups this week, and he had a big game on Sunday, two for four with a triple and his 12th home run of the season. The other name here is Luis Campusano, who we've talked a lot about recently. Three more hits on Sunday. He's had a big September. He's 19% rostered. Uh, Six road games this week, Scott. Any interest in Ryan Jeffers or Campusano for the final week? Campusano, definitely. Because he is he is their primary catcher, and he is performing like I would expect him to perform based on how his minor league career went. He was very consistent uh, producer in the minors. Didn't strike out a lot for a guy with who at least showed the makings of a power hitter. And so this is this this opportunity feels long overdue for Luis Camposano, and he is delivering on it. And if you need a catcher. On the waiver wire, I, I don't think there are many better choices in most leagues. Uh, I think he's a, certainly in two-catcher leagues and deeper leagues. Campusano's the guy you want. Mm-hmm. And then one sneaky hitter in deeper leagues, and again, this is just taking advantage of the matchups. Kyle Farmer for the Twins has started five straight. We know the Twins are dealing with all those injuries. Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa, both on the IL. Uh, Kyle Farmer had... This weekend, um, no, over the five-game stretch that he started, seven hits, five runs scored, three RBI, and a stolen base. 7% rostered, has second, third base, and shortstop eligibility. That's a name for deeper leagues, Kyle Farmer. Now, worth noting, sounds like Carlos Correa could return midweek. 
for the final series of the season. No guarantee that happens, but if it's not a daily league or one of those leagues where you can change your lineup midweek, I'm not sure Kyle Farmer's going to be the best choice. Uh, but if it is, then yeah, I like the, the opportunity for him to take advantage of the, the, the A's pitching staff to begin the week. I know they have some lefties on the schedule too, Scott, and that feels like that would favor Kyle Farmer getting in the lineup as a right-handed bat. So, Yeah, they do have two in their six games. See, they're two, that's right. two or three, but yeah, definitely at least two. Uh, yeah. I don't, well, the A's, I don't know if these A's probables are correct because they piggyback a lot of guys. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think Waldachuk will probably start one of those games. So yeah, let's say two. Okay. Uh, waiver wire pitchers again. If you lost out on some Braves or Yuri Perez, reminder here are Scott's sleeper pitchers. We've got Michael King, Reese Olson, and this is in order: Ryan Pepio, Kent Maeda, uh, Paul Blackburn, Ranger Suarez, Sawyer, Gibson, Long, uh, Gavin Williams, Edward Cabrera, and Clark Schmidt. It sounds like Christopher Sanchez is probably going to slot in. You know right around Ranger Suarez on this list. So keep that in mind if you're looking for some pitchers. Um, Anything to add, Scott, on the performances of uh, Gibson Long, by the way, and Edward Cabrera. Uh, Gibson Long at the A's this weekend. Five innings, one run. He had four strikeouts. Velocity down around one mile per hour on all of his pitches, but a great matchup against the Royals this week. And then Edward Cabrera, solid outing on Sunday. Good on you. You had the faith to start him in a two-star week. I was a little more cautious. I was... Worried about Edward Cabrera, but he pitched well in both starts. Five innings, one run, five strikeouts here, and he is at the Pirates this week. Anything to add on those two? Yeah, the Cabrera and Christopher Sanchez two-star weeks worked out nicely. I think they both scored right around 27 points in head-to-head leagues. Uh, as for how they performed this weekend, well, let's let's start with Sawyer Gibson Long, actually. Um so he walked three in five innings, which is uncharacteristic. Even in the minors, his walk rate was pretty low. I think it was... I think it mostly bolsters your... Uh, the decision to start him against the Royals, if you choose to go that direction. He's, you know, had three good starts in a row now, has Sawyer Gibson Long. I, I would have liked him to be more dominant at the A's of all teams, but it was good enough that it's not going to scare me away from that Royals matchup. There's still a lot to like there. Normally a good strike thrower, as I mentioned, getting swings and misses on both a slider and changeup. I think Gibson Long remains an interesting pitcher. As for Edward Cabrera, again, it was good. It wasn't quite good in the way I thought it was going to be good. I was expecting if it went well, it'd be a lot of strikeouts. And I think he had a combined nine strikeouts in the two starts. And they were both on the shorter side. And that's even with him managing to avoid walks, which we can't always count on Edward Cabrera to do. But the matchup is really good at Pittsburgh. So I'm not eager to start him as a one-star pitcher. I'm not eager to start him or Gibson Long as one-star pitchers. But I think I think they're fine. I think, you know, if you need a one-start option off the waiver wire, you're not going to do much better than them. Okay. Let's talk about some other names that had great starts this weekend. Nick Pavetta up against the White Sox. Seven shutout innings with seven strikeouts. He had 14 swinging strikes and five games in September for Pavetta. A 3.08 ERA, a .91 whip, 33 strikeouts, just four walks in the month. He is at the Orioles in the final week. John Means 
business. He took a no-hitter into the seventh inning at the Guardians. He wound up going seven and a third, one hit, one run, four strikeouts, and he is home against the Red Sox this week. Mike Clevenger, another quality start on Sunday. He was at the Red Sox, six innings, two runs, zero walks, zero strikeouts. Kind of a weird line there. Uh, He's 70% rostered. Final start against the Padres this week. Their lineup has been on fire, so... I kind of just want to cash in on Mike Clevenger and say, all right, thanks for everything that you did. I don't know that I want to <laughs> yeah. use him against the Padres here, but uh, any thoughts on him, John Means, and, and Nick Pavetta? I mean, that's ex- exactly my feelings on Clevenger. I feel like even though this second start this week was good against the Red Sox, there was kind of a warning shot there, the, the fact he struck out nobody. Uh, which, you know, he's been on this nice run where he's beginning lots of swinging strikes, getting lots of strikeouts, but then, you know, still managed to have the quality start at Boston, but with no strikeouts. So I don't know. Just feels like against the Padres, as hot as they are, it could all go poof for Mike Clevenger. Uh, Pavetta, uh, I mean, I don't really want to start any of these guys, Pavetta or Means. You know, they, they took advantage of weak lineups. They have tougher matchups next time out. Pavetta, if you're chasing strikeouts, it might, there might still be some, you, there, it, there, that's justification to start him. If you're chasing strikeouts, that is something Pavetta has done fairly consistently. I'm not sure you can trust him to keep runs off the board against the Orioles lineup, but now in his last three starts, he has 23 strikeouts to two walks. And just 18 and two-thirds innings. And, you know, his overall strikeout rate is great. So Pavetta might be fine for that particular situation. In the case of Means, I mean, it, the fact he went deep into the game with no hitter, that's great. He did just strike out four in seven and a third innings. And while his ERA and whip are low in his is it three or four starts since returning. Three. Three starts since returning six strikeouts in 17 and a third innings. <laughs> Not great. Not great. And I think he could do better than that. I don't think John Means is going to be a big time bad misser or anything, but um, we're giving up that much contact in the modern game. It's, it's really asking for trouble. And particularly against a lineup like the Red Sox, I'd, I'd rather steer clear. All right, three more names. If you didn't want to use the last group, you probably won't want to use this group, but I don't know. Maybe I'll be wrong. Ken Waldachuk bounced back after a rough outing. He faced the Tigers. Six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, and over his last nine games, seven of those being starts, Waldachuk has a 3.02 ERA and a 117 whip. He's 9% rostered at the Twins this week. Zach Littell now has... Four solid starts in a row. He went five and two-thirds innings, two unearned runs allowed against the Blue Jays. And uh, during that four-star stretch, a 178 ERA and a .83 whip for Zach Littell. Jordan Wicks now has a quality start in three of his last four outings. He faced the Rockies on the road. Six innings, three runs, three strikeouts. He is 61% rostered at the Brewers. Scott, any interest in Wicks, Littell, or Waldachuk? I really don't have any interest in starting them this week unless it's truly a desperation situation. Uh, Wicks, so he had that big strikeout effort when he first got called up, right? In five starts since, 14 strikeouts in 28 innings. So it seems like he's asking for trouble too. 
I understand he's managed to survive so far, but that's not that's not a good situation to be in as a pitcher. And uh, yeah, I just I think the downside overshadows the upside for Littell and Waldachuk in a one start week. All right, I would agree with that. One name just to know in deeper leagues, I think just kind of stash him away in your Rolodex in the back of your mind somewhere for next season. Joe Boyle, who is with the Oakland A's, he threw six innings, one unearned run, five strikeouts this weekend. He throws extremely hard, averages 97 miles per hour on his fastball. He's a big dude, six foot four, 24 years old. And the numbers in the minors, he he's walked a lot. The control is really bad, but tons of strikeouts. This season in the minors, 168 strikeouts, over 117 and a third innings. Again, the name there, Joe Boyle, just kind of stash him away in your memory and maybe he'll I don't know make an impact at some point next season some news and notes from the weekend Sandy Alcantara will not pitch again this season because of that UCL sprain in his right elbow and now Scott we're left kind of wondering going into the offseason what's next for Sandy Alcantara will this affect him next year uh, I assume we'll learn more you know if he has to have surgery I mean that that would be the the worst case scenario but I don't think it's off the table I don't think it's off the table either. And anytime you're talking about a UCL, uh, it, it seems inevitable. Now, I I made that same case against Zach Gallen a couple years ago and was avoiding him like the plague in drafts, and he turned out to be fine. He has, uh, still hasn't had Tommy John surgery on that elbow. Doesn't mean he never will, but he's managed to avoid it for a couple years now. I feel like that's more the exception than the rule, though. And so I'm... If 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 we don't get any kind of resolution to this situation with Alcantara's elbow in the off season, I think I think it would take a heavy discount for me to draft him next year, and it might have anyway. Frankly, based on the year he just had and the fact that I think. In this really unpredictable pitching environment where there are extreme highs and lows for every pitcher and ERA just feels like it's being, you know, pulled up, pulled down, who knows where round and round it goes, where it stops, no one knows. That's that's how I feel like ERA is for most pitchers in this environment. You really need to emphasize strikeouts. Like that is the one. That is the one pitcher contribution that you can predict with the most certainty, which has always been true. But I think doubling down on that in this pitching environment makes sense. And that's not something Sandy Alcantara, even when he won the Cy Young, did a lot of. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what kind of discount it'll take, but that's what there will need to be one for me to, to be invested in him in any significant way next year. Mike Trout was transferred to the 60-day IL and will not return this season. Jordan Alvarez has been limited to DH duties because of a right elbow issue. Randy Arozarena has missed two straight with right quad tightness. I haven't seen anything since, Scott. I, I guess we have to wait and see if he's in the lineup. I believe the Rays play on Tuesday. They've only got those five games. What do you think about Arozarena? Starter sit this week. Look, I'm, I'm probably going to sit. I'm probably going to play it safe with injury case if it's a weekly lineup league, which most are. 
probably going to play it safe and sit him if I don't have any reassurances, you know, at the start of the week. Now, most teams aren't playing on Monday. I believe there are just five games on Monday. Four. One, two, three. Are you sure that that makeup game wasn't added in? I think it's five. Any, in any case, it's not many. Um, so the Rays are among the teams that don't have a game Monday, and you should have ample alternatives to swap in. If you want to leave a Rosarena in for now and swap them in later, that, that's something you can do, at least in, that's the usual setup in CBS leagues. So that, that could be a way to play it. You're going to want to p- play close attention to when lineups come out on Tuesday in a way you might not normally. But if a Rosarena isn't in on Tuesday, no, nah, I'm probably setting him. Luis Robert was removed Sunday with left knee soreness. He suffered on a slide into second base, so that's another name we have to follow here. Matt McLean started a rehab assignment at AAA on Saturday and is on pace to return on Tuesday. What do you think about throwing Matt McLean back in your lineup? I mean, I guess it depends how deep the league is. Um, It is just the five-game week. Fresh off the I.L., now, it depends what kind of alternatives you found up the middle. If if you grab Zach Geloff when Matt McLean went down, I probably don't want to mess with it too much. But if you've been struggling there, then maybe you do. Joe Musgrove restarted a throwing program on Friday with the Padres winning 10 of their last 12 games. There was some slight hope that they can make a run at a wild card spot, but they're now five games out, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yandy Diaz left Sunday's game with uh, right hamstring tightness. He's day-to-day, another name to watch there. Luis Arise was out of the lineup Sunday due to a left ankle injury. Aaron Savali's next start will be pushed back due to illness. He was originally scheduled to start Tuesday against the Red Sox, but will now face the Blue Jays next weekend. Kenley Jansen was reinstated from the COVID IL on Saturday. Marcus Stroman has been moved back to, into the Cubs rotation, which means Javier Assad went back to their bullpen. Michael Brantley has missed five straight due to that surgically repaired uh, shoulder. And Chris Paddock, remember the name? He was activated by the Twins and will serve in a multi-inning relief role. Other names that went to the IL this weekend, Logan T. Allen with left shoulder inflammation, Luke Rayleigh with a cervical strain, uh, Jason Adam with a left oblique strain, Michael Kopech with right knee inflammation, Luis Arias with a left calf strain, Tyler Anderson with knee soreness, CJ Crone with lower back inflammation, Bailey Falter with neck soreness, and Jesse Schultens with a left calf strain. All right, so I got to the bottom of our confusion over Monday's schedule. There was originally only four games on Monday. There is still only four games on Monday. What happened was the Diamondbacks were already scheduled for a game Monday, so their game against the White Sox got moved from Monday to Thursday so that now the Diamondbacks can play the Yankees gotcha. on Monday. So note there there was actually an additional game added Thursday to get that Monday game in. So, yeah, just four games on Monday. And uh, – be careful here because that game between the Diamondbacks and the Yankees starts at one o'clock on Monday. So make sure to set your lineups if you have any D-backs or Yankees in there. So none of the other games are till nine. That's so weird. <laughs> I know we we had we we could we could have taken it easy Monday. Uh, just lay around all day, not worry about your fantasy baseball lineups till. Almost bedtime, frankly, for those of us on the East Coast, except for us because we're weird. <laughs> 
but no, now we can't. Now we got to get them set at before or right around lunchtime before we eat lunch. Gosh, what are we going to do on tomorrow's podcast? Got four games on the schedule. It's, uh, I'm going to yeah, have to. Not the first time. Not dig, the first time. Dig into my bag of tricks on, on Monday night's podcast. Let's take our final break. When we return, some starter sit questions heading into the final week. I have 11 pitchers that are kind of fringy. Should we start them? Find out right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. Let's talk start or sit pitchers for the final week. I have 11 names here on the list, so let's do it a little rapid fire here, Scott. Shane Bieber made his return from the IL. He faced the Orioles. Five innings, five runs allowed. Four of those were earned. Velocity down, still allowing a ton of hard contact. Home against the Reds this week. I am going to have to do Bieber in a 15-team league, but otherwise, no. I agree. Chris Sale has turned in back-to-back solid starts. He was up against the White Sox this weekend. Five shutout innings, seven strikeouts. The problem is that he faces the Orioles in three starts against Baltimore this season. A 13.5 ERA, 18 earned runs allowed over 12 innings. As good as these looks got and the strikeouts are there, I can't do it. I cannot start Chris Sale against the Orioles. I do prefer Sale to Bieber, but still probably not. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Miller was hit hard up against the Rangers. He allowed six earned runs over four and a third innings. And over his last six starts, he has a 546 ERA and a 148 whip. He's 46% started on CBS home against the Astros this week. That was a probably not on sale. I don't know if it came out right. <laughs> for Miller, yeah, probably probably a no on him. His ERA is over four now for the year. Most of his starts are short. I just don't think there's enough reward there to justify it. All right, I kind of cheated with this one. I think you're starting him, obviously. I don't even know why I put him in this conversation. But Cole Reagans. Turned in another quality start this weekend against the Astros. Six innings, two runs. <laughs> just wanted to play the ray gun sound again. <laughs> Basically, six innings, two runs, five strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes, and he is at the Tigers. I think we're starting Cole Reagan. Start him. Yep. Dylan Cease had one of his best starts of the season at the Red Sox. Seven shutout innings, 11 strikeouts to zero walks, 23 swinging strikes on 108 pitches. Just his fourth start with zero walks this season. No surprise, three of those four starts have been quality starts. Dylan Cease, the problem, also running into that Padres lineup that's red hot right now. Your thoughts? Mm -hmm. I think I would only do Cease if 
it was a, I'm trying to catch up in strikeouts situation. Otherwise, I would steer clear. Clayton Kershaw pitched well against the Giants. Five shutout innings with five strikeouts. And uh, his final start is at the Giants. And he just pitched well against them. What do you think? Yeah, it's an okay matchup, but uh, he hasn't gone more than five innings since returning. Has Kershaw and his stuff clearly isn't the same. Velocity's been down on everything. We know he's still pitching through a shoulder issue. So I'm right on the fence there, but I, I think in most cases you could do better. Tristan McKenzie's return did not go as planned Sunday against the Orioles. He allowed three runs. He walked six. Uh, he's at the Tigers this week. Obviously, that's like a good matchup on paper, but I, I don't think there's any no. way. No. Yeah, he didn't show us anything that would convince me McKenzie is worth starting. Joe Ryan picked up double-digit strikeouts for the sixth time this season. He did that against the Angels. He allowed three runs over six innings, 10 strikeouts to zero walks. And he is, well, here's the problem. At the Rockies next weekend. It's not an automatic no. I mean, you have to weigh your options. I would prefer Ryan to Chris Sale. I'd prefer him to Shane Bieber. I would try to upgrade if you could because he's a fly ball pitcher at Coors Field. You you could see that going disastrously for Joe Ryan. It could go very well. I mean, it does happen sometimes, but it's, it's, it's very risky. Would you start Christopher Sanchez over Joe Ryan? Yes. Okay. Eduardo Rodriguez had a great start Sunday at the Oakland A's. Seven shutout innings, five strikeouts. The problem, he walked four in this game. He now has four or more walks in four of his last six starts, so the control has really taken a step back in the second half. Eduardo Rodriguez home against the Guardians this week, the worst team against left-handed pitching in baseball. Even with the control, I I think you got to do it, Scott. Do you? I I mean, mean, against Cleveland? It doesn't get better than that for a lefty. Yeah, but, you know, if, if it's a daily lineup league and the choice is do I start Eduardo Rodriguez or do I not? Do I start nobody? Then, okay, you start Eduardo Rodriguez. If it's a, a weekly lineup where you're choosing among five, you, you can only slot five starting pitchers in. I don't think Eduardo Rodriguez would make the cut for me, even with that that favorable matchup. I mean, yes, he was... Seven shutout innings here on Sunday against a bad athletics lineup, but previous seven starts a five seventy nine ERA, one fifty whip. Now he had he'd been really bad, mm-hmm. um, and it was interesting what he did against the athletics: sixty four percent fastballs versus his usual forty four percent. So he just really seemed to attack them with that one pitch. That I, I don't know that that's going to work every time out. He still walked a bunch of guys, still walked four and in seven innings. So it's it's not like it really helped with the control. I think he's a pretty dangerous start, is Eduardo Rodriguez, even with that favorable matchup. All right. Uh, Michael Waka back on track with a great start against the Cardinals. Seven innings, two runs, six strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes. Did allow 10 hard hits in this game. He is at the White Sox this week. They are the worst team against right-handed pitching. What do you think about Michael Waka? I like him better than Eduardo Rodriguez. I like him... I like him probably more than all of those one-start sleepers. I would start Waka over Christopher Sanchez, for instance. You know, I'm not going to call him a must-start, but it's a good matchup, and he's looked good his last couple turns and his good numbers overall. So I think it's, I think it's a pretty good play. Our season started with Lance Lynn, Scott. Will it end with Lance Lynn? Let's find out. A quality start against the Giants on Sunday. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes. He looked pretty good in this one. Gets the Giants again this week. They're 21st in WOBA against righties. 
Lance Lynn is only 70% started. That's actually a pretty high amount. Um, what do you think about him? I think I would take all of those one-start sleepers on my sleeper pitchers list this week over Lance Lynn. So Christopher Sanchez, who else is on there? Sawyer Gibson Long, Ranger Suarez, Chris, I already said Christopher Sanchez. Um, Edward Cabrera. Mm, depends what you need there. If you're just looking for volume, like if it's a points league situation, then I might lean Lynn, Lynn over Edward Cabrera. But in a categories league, particularly if you need strikeouts, maybe not. That's a close call. All right, let's hit some pitching leftovers here. Three great starts this weekend. Zach Gallen, six shutout innings at the Yankees. He had eight strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes. Nice bounce back for him. Sonny Gray has now gone six plus innings in 14 of his last 16 starts. There was a stretch back in, I think it was late May or June, where the Twins were really limiting Sonny Gray. It was like five inning starts, three runs. He didn't look very good. But man, since that point, he has just been money uh, and entering free agency this offseason. So should be an interesting one for Sonny Gray. Jordan Montgomery has turned in three straight seven inning quality starts up against the Mariners this weekend. Again, that massive series for the Rangers. He threw seven shutout innings with six strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes in that one. He is at Seattle again this week. The way he's pitching, obviously, uh, you're going with Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Any thoughts on those three? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much of a question start versus sit with them. Who did you say Gray was facing? I did not mention his matchup, but I could look it up quickly. It looks like Oakland, so. Ah, revenge game for Sonny Gray. (laughs) Revenge game, sure. (laughs) Been a long time since I've thought of Sonny Gray as an Oakland day, but. but, uh, I love Sonny Gray. I didn't know it. I love Sonny Gray when he first got called up. Oh, um, man. Sunny Gray sweeping the clouds away. <laughs> man. Uh, CBS says he's in Coors Field. Uh-oh. Uh, Are you sure about I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't make the matchups on CBS. Oakland? Hang on a second. So he, um, if he pitched on Saturday, then he might actually get Coors Field, yeah. I mean, so... Well, I'm looking at it says Thursday. All right, let me see what let me see what roster resource says. We got to get to the bottom of this because it can make all the difference between starting and sitting Sonny Gray. So roster resource has it as and they say he's starting Thursday against Oakland. Mm. All right, let's try another source here. Like we can really predict this with any accuracy this time <laughs> of year. Anyway, let's say ESPN. <gasps> Today I have Sonny Gray going. So, hang on, I don't have the right date here. Or do I? No, I'm not. I'm looking at last Thursday. All right, next Thursday, according to ESPN, starting for the Twins is Sonny Gray against Oakland. So I'm seeing a lot more sources saying Sonny Gray will go against Oakland, but that does make a big difference. And if it's if it's a close call between Sonny Gray and somebody else, you might shy away just in case he gets pushed back a day. I, obviously, you love that matchup against the A's, but at Coors Field is a different story. The call to the bullpen, a few updates. For the Phillies on Friday, uh, Craig Kimbrell got the ninth inning with a one-run lead, gave up a game-tying home run to Brett Beatty, which doesn't seem like great timing because uh, Jose Alvarado picked up the save on Saturday, and he's been getting more saves. So uh, mm-hmm. if you do need saves, I would say Alvarado is a, Decent option for the final week. He's only 23% rostered. 
I've also noticed here that Andres Munoz has worked the eighth inning rather than the ninth. I think in back-to-back appearances. So kind of the same situation as with Craig Kimbrell, where you not feeling super confident he's going to get all of his team's saves chances. Mm-hmm. And so if you are in a shallow league where there are ample, well, where, where there are closer alternatives on the way for wire, then you might want to look into one of those this week. Tanner Scott bounced back nicely at the end of the week. I think he's still pretty available. Uh, Ryan Helsley is still pretty available. They would be better options than Kimbrell and Munoz at this point, I would say. For the Orioles on Friday, Yanir Cano got the ninth inning with a one-run lead. He gave up two runs, took his sixth blown safe and fourth loss. And then on Saturday, Cano pitched in the eighth inning with a one-run lead, and Cionel Perez uh, pitched the ninth inning for his third save. For the Royals on Friday, James MacArthur got the final five outs for his second save. Then on Saturday, it was Taylor Clark who got the final five outs for his third save. And then on Sunday, it was back to James MacArthur, his third save. Uh, he's 2% rostered. This is If you're playing a 15-team league and you're just super desperate for saves at this point, I think James MacArthur might be able to pick you up a save or two this final week. For the Cubs on Saturday, Julian Merriweather got the eighth inning with a one-run lead uh, to face five, six, and seven in the Rockies lineup. Jose Quas, Quas, Quas. I think it's Quas. I feel like I've heard his name before. Jose Quas. Um, ninth inning, he picked up his first, uh, first save, and then for the Cubs on Sunday, Julian Merriweather was used in the ninth inning. He picked up his second save. He's fourteen percent rostered. Scott, is there any clarity here? Like, I don't know. Do you have any interest in Merriweather in deeper leagues? Um, yes, but there's also the the possibility Adbert Alzala is going to be activated on Tuesday. That's when he's first eligible. Uh, last report, he was going to start throwing bullpens. So I, I don't I don't know that I trust any Cubs reliever this final week unless you just have to in a deep roto league. Speaking of deep of Roto Leagues, for the White Sox, Brian Shaw picked up his third save on Saturday. For the Marlins, you mentioned Tanner Scott back on track, picked up his 10th save. And for the Rangers, Aroldis Chapman got the final two outs for his sixth save on Saturday. And then on Sunday, he was unavailable. He pitched both Friday and Saturday. Uh, Jose LeClerc then struck out two for his fourth save. Do you think it's Chapman, Scott? I, I, I kind of feel like maybe Chapman's like just a high leverage guy. For now, I know he pitched on the eighth I mean, inning. He's been so unreliable lately that I mean, I, w- I would prioritize Tanner Scott over him, and um, who's the other one? Ryan Helsley over him. I might still dump Kimbrel for Chapman if you can make that swap. I don't know that I'd drop Munoz for Chapman. I think I'd draw the line there, right in between Munoz and Kimbrel. Okay, let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream, and we will start with Monday. There's only four games, so do you want to use Clark Schmidt against the D-backs or Patrick Sandoval against the Rangers? <laughs> Probably none. <laughs> I mean, Schmidt's the best streamer option on Monday. It's not a great streamer option if, you, <laughs> if you're not uh, you know, dying to get more volume in your lineup, then maybe don't do it, but that's the best choice. On Tuesday, we've got some potentially great names. Michael King at the Blue Jays, Reese Olsen against the Royals. We have Paul Blackburn at the Twins. We have Bailey Ober against the A's. Wade Miley against the Cardinals. He's pitched well. So, I'm not sure. Who, who, where were you looking that said Ober was going to go Tuesday? 
ESPN. Uh, the Ocho. <laughs> uh, why did, where did I see that he got bumped back to the Colorado series? Because that's a few days further back. I see that. I saw that on CBS. Okay. Well, if, if Ober is starting against the A's, we'll, we'll know when the time comes in daily leagues. Yeah. Then that's a good start. Uh, Reese Olsen is an even better one against the Royals. Michael King, the best one of all against the Blue Jays, at the Blue Jays, actually. So I did that kind of in reverse order. My top three on Tuesday would be Michael King, Reese Olsen, Bailey Ober. If you do need another one, Paul Blackburn at the Twins. That might go okay, but it's riskier than the three I just mentioned. We are going to wrap there. Our final weekend recap of the year for Scott. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we will be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.